0: Amen, amen. Good morning everybody. How are you doing today? Yeah. Center Point Church, Marietta. It's like my, my home church away from home. I love it here at Center Point. We, we, we live in, well, we, we used to go to church in, or, I don't even know what I'm saying, dude. This is third service, bro. My mind is, I'm just kidding. You y'all, y'all are blessed. We used to have a house in North County, San Diego, in San Marcos. We, went to, we have a home church there, but we moved up to Fallbrook. So we're like inching our way closer and closer to Marietta because, you know, I feel the magnet, the pole just pulling me up here. So anyway, we're just so grateful to be here. Uh, I love your pastors, pastors John and Ann. How many of y'all are grateful for for John and Ann leading the church? I want to honor them and. And just love the house of God here. And you guys have actually a wonderful staff. It's not just the, the senior leaders, but you have also a wonderful staff of pastors and, and leaders that run the church and make this thing happen. And I, what I realized is that walking into a, a church like this, and, and as I travel throughout different churches, I realize that great things like this don't just happen, like, you know, flippantly. And it happens because there's a team of people who come together every week to seek God's face, to pace through the, the sanctuary and pray and call down heaven. And, and to plan and to organize and to put it all together. And so I want to I recognize that and honor that. Can you guys thank God for your pastors and the leaders that run this ministry? It's a great, great church to be a part of. If we lived here, I'd, li- I'd, go, to, I'd go to church here if we lived here. You know what I'm saying, but the, <laughs> it's pulling me, man. I'm in Fallbrook. I, who knows what's going to happen next? But uh, anyway, um, (laughs) I want to make mention, though, of a book uh, that I wrote called Carriers of the Ark, and, uh, you know, it's basically, I I call it a training manual for those kind of people who want to carry the presence of God in their day-to-day lives. And, and carriers of the Ark really represents, the Ark of the Covenant means uh, it was this box that really in the Old Testament carried the presence of God. And so the priests in the Old Testament would actually carry the Ark on their shoulders as they would move from this place to that. And it represented them carrying the presence of God upon people. But in the New Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, came to live within the believers. And so it, it shows it like this, Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so that means that we get to actually carry the presence of God everywhere we go, not just in a church service, but in all areas of society. And so this book is a training manual on what I believe God wants to form in us so we can be really effective in carrying his presence all over the place, everywhere we go. And one specific thing is is the area of worship. There's a chapter in here I called Repairing the Altar. And, you know, I mean, you guys have an awesome worship team and, and God's always moving in the worship here. So you, you, you get this stuff. But there's something about worship that invokes the presence of God. I mean, Psalm 22 says that God sits enthroned on his praises. He, he inhabits the praises of his people. But what I found, there's a story you guys may have heard of it in the scripture where the prophet Elijah has a showdown with the, the, the 400 false prophets of Baal. And long story short, homeboys calling fire down from heaven and mocked an entire false prophet generation, and then they all, they all got killed. It was, it was a rough day for them. But the good side was that, that basically he called fire down from heaven, and God responded by his sacrifice and his prayer. And, and what it really represented was a nation getting set free from idolatry and coming back to the true God. It's awesome. But what we don't always realize in this story is that there's a part where it says before he, you know, built up the altar, before he, you know, put water and did this whole thing called fire, the Bible said that he repaired the altar. And the word for repair in the original language is rapha. You might be familiar with it because you might have heard the name of God, Jehovah, rapha, which means the Lord, our healer. And so the altar represents worship, but the repairing part represents healing. And what if something needs healing? That means it's not living up to its full potential. And what I found is that worship leaders want the fire of God and the power. Hey, my brothers over here, and my sister. Hey, hi, James and Michelle. Come okay, well, on, that's that's my family over there. I had I saw their face. I had to stop. Oh, and my stepmom. Come on, Kelly's sitting there. Anyway, can you guys give it up for my family? Just say they're awesome. Anyway, I got distracted because I saw my family over there hanging. And anyway, so I uh, what was I saying? Repairing the altar. A lot of worship leaders. They want that kind of demonstration in their worship. What do I mean? They want fire to fall in their worship. Come on, they want God to just kick devils out. You know what I'm saying? They want want God to bring freedom and deliverance and healing in the midst of times of worship. But what they don't realize is that that their altar needs repairing. Their worship needs healing. Because their worship isn't always living up to the full potential of what it could really do. And so there's a whole chapter on what I outlined that looks like. And one of the areas is this area of expression. Man, I, I've, been, I've been leading worship since 2002, so I've had a good almost 20 years experience of seeing all kinds of expression in church from the wildest Pentecostal, wild experience, people running laps and doing conga lines around the church to the dude way up in the corner like hiding because he's too afraid of all the crazy down here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've seen tons of expressions. And what I found is, it's not a Pentecostal charismatic thing to express in worship. It's actually a human nature thing and a biblical thing. Because I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't have to deal with all the traditions of man that we grew up in. So this denomination worships this way, and this one's crazy, and this one's not crazy, and we don't lift our hands because we don't want to make the new people feel weird. All of that stuff, I had none of that. I came in with a blank slate saying, man, if God's worthy to be praised, why aren't we giving him everything? I'm like, It was just normal, because in every other area of society, we express without hindrance. You go to a comedy club, people have no problem laughing out loud, and roll, you know, they don't maybe roll on the ground, that would be extra weird, but that's okay, if you're weird, just be weird. But I'm saying you go to a comedy club, people laugh, or a funny movie, you laugh, but if someone gets hit with the joy of the Lord in church, they're the weird person. Come on, some of, our, some of our churches need some repairing in the altar. Yeah. And so, and then, and then you go to, you know, here's the, the, the usual reference. You go to sports games, people are lifting their hands, painting their faces, doing belly dances, all kinds of crazy stuff. Now, don't do, a, I mean, please don't do the belly dance in church. But when it comes time to express passionately our praise, most people are, are satisfied to just stay mild in their expression. And when the dance and the high praise comes, which is my favorite, by the way, when that comes, people get really, really awkward. You're either in or you're out. <laughs> Some people's like, go going for it. And the other person's like, oh, next song, please, next song, please. <laughs> but as a new Christian, I began to search the scriptures for the answer. And I found out that the Bible said, praise his name with dancing. Psalm 149, verse 3. I found out that David was like a wild praiser and he said, I'm gonna become even more undignified than this and his own wife was talking trash about him. He said, oh really, that, I'm not gonna dumb it down. That means I'm gonna get even more crazy because God is worthy of the greatest and wildest praise. He's worthy of our hallelujah. And I'm a, I'm a big believer that if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. And most people are content to just stay in a mild expression of praise. And therefore, they're only going to experience God in a mild way. But God wants you to have more. Man, we're preaching about something we haven't even got to the regular message yet. We're already in the, we're in the river flowing with God. Why am I saying all this? Because as a carrier of God's presence, you got to learn how to enter into true worship and how God prescribes worship, God's love languages. Come on, he wants us to lift our hands, he wants us to dance. When's the last time you got on your knees and, or literally got on your face before God because the majesty of his presence came in the room? If these expressions are not part of your normal worship experience, dare I say it, that your worship needs healing. The altar needs to be repaired. Don't expect fire to fall unless the altar's gotten repaired. Woo, hallelujah, it got a little more quiet, it's okay. You still my friend? All right. <laughs> That's just one chapter. I'm, I, wanna, I want you to know what's in here because I want you to know this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God doing something in us so we are fit to carry the supernatural presence of God in everywhere we go. Are you with me on this? And so I want to I wanna give this to you, but where's Josh? I saw Josh Caddy around here somewhere. Is he around here? I thought I saw your face. Bro, can you come up here? I want to pray for you and I want to give you this book. I think you might. Did you already get this book? Did I give this to you already? Okay, well, you're going to give it to somebody else then. How about that? <laughs> Here, man, take that, and then let me see your hand, bro. Lord, I thank, you for, I thank you for Josh Caddy, and God, I thank you. I feel like God is on, there's going to be, a, you're on the verge of a massive breakthrough in your life. And it's in its Second uh, Samuel five verse twenty. David discovered God was actually the master of breakthroughs. That's what he calls God in that in that scripture. He is the Lord of the breakthrough. And I feel like there's been a journey in this last season, pushing up against walls, pushing up against hindrances. Oh man! Ah, oh, I feel the Father. And I and I feel this is what I feel like. It's like, it's like Saul got turned to Paul, but the rest of the church didn't get it yet. And so Barnabas had to come alongside and say, hey, actually, he's a good guy. Trust me, he's a good guy. And you've been dealing with religious voices and, and all the accusations and the walls that you've been coming up against, and they've been pushing and pushing and pushing against you. But I'm telling you, you got you got a Barnabas. You got the Holy Spirit, the one, the paracletos, who comes alongside you and speaks for you. God is gonna speak for you in this and the Lord says that you don't have to defend yourself God said I will defend you I will be your defender I will speak as your advocate I will speak for you says God and I'm just telling you, there's a, this breakthroughs coming because there's going to be a shift in the in the atmosphere and a shift in your spheres of influence. That there's going to be favor where there's been walls. God says that that, that the Holy Spirit's going to come and tear those walls down, and the Master of breakthroughs is going to come and literally break through your enemies like a bre- like a dam gets broken and water bursts forth. <laughs> oh, woo. We release the blessing of God on you today in Jesus' name. Come on, give God some praise for that. Come on, bro, give me some. Woo. That's really good. So good. Thank you, Jesus. And I, actually, I want to pray for Donovan and, and, and your wife. This is your wife here. Okay, tell me your name again. Cassandra. I'm so sorry. I forgot. Uh, but God didn't forget. Come on, somebody. Uh, just stand. I want to pray for you guys. And maybe just join hands. Um, would you guys just stretch your hands out? How many of you guys are grateful, actually, for, for Donovan and his wife and his family? They're doing a lot here at Center Point. I just feel like in this season, God's gonna, I see like family revival. I see God coming into your home and there's a there's a worship song called House of Miracles. I, I think we talked about it. And uh, but he, but he, it's a declaration. It says this is a house of healing. This is a house of worship. This is a house of prayer. This is a house of you know all kinds of stuff, miracles and all that. And I feel like God is calling your house a house of miracles and a house of encounter specifically. And I and I feel that story with Jacob where he laid his head on a rock and then he had a dream of the the, the ladder to heaven and the angels were ascending and descending because he discovered the open heaven and he said, man, God was. In in this place and I wasn't aware of it. And it's not that you're not aware, but there's a dimension of God's presence that's gonna be greater than you're aware of. And I feel like in this next season, you and your kids are gonna to begin to have dreams and visions. God's gonna be able to speak to you in the midnight hour and prophetic supernatural dreams, because I feel like you've been asking God, what are the next steps of this journey that we're on? Give me a blueprint, Father. I need to know what the, the next seasons are gonna look like. And I feel like God's gonna to begin to outline that with dreams and with visions, and he's gonna give you blueprints in the night with angelic visitation, because he said the open heaven is angels ascending and descending, there's gonna be something and that your requests are gonna go up, the angels are gonna go up with your requests and they're gonna come back down with the answers to your requests. Man, I don't, whew, man, God loves you guys. I feel like it's like uh, that, that encounter in Acts chapter 10 as well where he had that an angelic encounter. It's, I feel like he, he told, the angel told Cornelius, he said that there was a, your alms, your giving has gone up before God as a memorial before God and God has remembered what you've given. I feel like God wants you to know he's remembered your sacrifices and he's remembered the price that you've paid in secret. You wouldn't say it publicly, but I get to. And I'm telling you today, there's been sacrifice after sacrifice that you've made that nobody knows about except you guys and your family, maybe some close friends or leaders, but there's been sacrifices you've made and God says that your sacrifices have come up as a memorial before God. And God now is releasing favor and blessing over your entire household. And I'm telling you, it's gonna be like that Cornelius, you can read Acts chapter 10, where the spirit of God literally fell on everybody before Peter could even finish his message. And they all began speaking in tongues and praising God. I'm telling you, your kids are gonna have these supernatural kids. And and they're they're gonna have encounters. And, And Cassandra, I feel like God wants to just bring you a love note today and remind you that you are his beloved and that it's almost like, I feel like there was something that that God, you had between you and God at a younger age. I don't know when you gave your life to Jesus. I don't, I don't know the whole story, but I see the age like 14 for some reason. If I'm right, awesome. If I'm not, just move on. But I feel like there was something about the year 14 that was between you and God. And I feel like he's just saying, hey, I didn't forget about what we had. I didn't forget about what you wrote down and what you thought I was saying to you. Like you wrote some stuff. It was a conversation type of thing between you and God. And God says... I'm giving you a love note today to remind you of what we had when you were 14. Huh. Ooh, Jesus. It's really, really good. I just want to sit in that for a second because that's really good. Jesus, we exalt you. And we thank you that you know the depths of our hearts. And, and here's a verse for you. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And, and I, it's, it's in that chapter, I think it's verse 10, but he says, we did not receive the spirit that's from the world, but we received the spirit who is from God, who, and this spirit tells us all the things that we freely received from him. And I feel like God is just saying, there is secrets that we've shared that the Lord is saying to you, Cassandra, like there's secrets that you had between you and, and the Lord that that now is the time to begin to share and to begin to use those as discipleship tools, as methods to pour into the next generation. The secret things belong to the Lord, but when he reveals it to us, it's to our kids and every generation after that. And so Lord, we release the spirit of wisdom and revelation over them. We release the dreams, the visions, the angelic, and God, thank you that you are for them. You are with them in this hour, in Jesus' name. Amen, come on. Oh man, super good. Man, God's really good. I just kind of want to sit in that for a second. <laughs> when the Father's affection comes in, it's like a good warm bath that you just want to like soak in for like hours. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I, I I have this thing too. This is the this is just a quick devotional. It's about all those expressions of praise that I was talking about earlier. Seven day devotional. If you if you do it, it'll change your life. So you can get all that stuff in the welcome center. Are you ready for the word? <laughs> Okay, you just got a bunch of word, but there's some more word coming. <laughs> First John chapter 5. You guys have been in a series, and, uh, you, know, you, you know, we're going through all that. We're landing on chapter 5. Obviously, it's the last chapter of the book, but I want to go back a little bit in chapter 4. The reason why is because, man, I love to see the context. There's a, there's a context to everything that's in Scripture, and so, like, sometimes we can just pull a verse out, but we didn't realize what the conversation was about leading up to that verse, And so I like to say it like this. If you take the text out of the context, you're just left with a con. Hmm. Think about it. 1 John 4.19, we'll start there, and then we'll jump into chapter 5. 1 John 4.19, it says, We love because he, God, first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Come on, he's coming out swinging from the get-go here. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Verse 21, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So now that's the context. We jump into chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. So wait, wait, who's my brother and sister? Oh, the ones who believe that Jesus is the Christ. And if you love the Father, you got to love the kids too. Like it's it's part of the package deal. And so verse 2 says, this is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. And so he's basically furthering that thought saying, if you love God, then then you're gonna love his people, like you're gonna love his commands or do his commands. And then part of loving God is carrying out his commands. He, He continues the thought in verse three, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Why, verse four, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And we'll land on verse five. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Everyone say, boom. Boom come on let's pray father I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come over us today that we would know you better I ask you to flood the eyes of our hearts with revelation light that beyond what our minds can comprehend our hearts and our spirit would catch what you're saying to us father speak to us let them who have ears hear what the spirit is saying we receive it in Jesus name if you agree shout amen so I got toddlers, my wife and I, uh, Rochelle, we, we've been married for almost 12 years. Come on, somebody, come in, September is 12 years. And we got two boys, one is six and one is three. Hunter is the three-year-old, or I'm sorry, Hunter is a six-year-old. This is what happens, man. Y'all know, when you get kids, you start naming them different things. They are like, you, whatever your name is, get over here. You know? it's like, Anyway, Hunter is six and Everett is three. And, uh, you know, he's a, he was in kindergarten, he's about to go into first grade, but guess what? It's summertime, you know, and that means that kids are home all day long, every day of the week. Jesus, have mercy on us. And, and so, uh, but we have fun, we go to the pool, we do all kinds of stuff. But we went and uh, we, I watched this show with them called Wild Kratts. Anybody know what Wild Kratts is? <laughs> Okay, so most of us, wild, just for the people who don't know, Kratts is a show, it's these two brothers, they teach you about animals and, and wildlife and all that. Some of it's a cartoon, and then some of it's like real life, and they're handling animals, showing you all this stuff. So we started watching this a couple weeks ago, and uh, or maybe it was a month ago, whatever, and, and I remember watching the one about wild salmon. And so, I don't know, maybe I just missed the bus on this, but I didn't realize that salmon swim upstream. You all probably got that already. Uh, I didn't get that. So as I'm watching Wild Kratts, get, I'm getting an education hanging out with my boys. And so I'm watching this, and they're swimming upstream, and the current is pushing this way. They're going that way. But what blew me away wasn't just that they were swimming upstream. These homies are leaping up waterfalls. They're leaping waterfalls. Have you, has anyone seen this before? Maybe you saw that Wild Kratz episode. <laughs> and they're going up, and then all of a sudden they jump out of the water, and they're going up waterfalls. I'm like, oh, my gosh, how is this possible? I'm thinking like, whoa. And then I realize this is part of their nature. This is who they are. This comes natural to them. And it's, and it's completely natural for them to swim against the current and overcome the force of the waters. And I'm watching this going like, oh, hallelujah, this is the gospel right here. I needed my organ in the background to start shouting for me, you know what I'm saying? And I realized that just like it's in the nature of the salmon to swim against the current and leap over impossibilities, the people of God, there's a sway, there's a culture in this world that's pushing us contrary to God, but we have a nature inside of us that moves toward and moves aw- and, and goes contrary to the, to the, to the sway leaping over waterfalls of offense leaping over waterfalls of unforgiveness and bitterness come on somebody leaping over hatred for your brother and your sister cuz that's a, that's a lie that's not true that's not your nature and i was like oh my gosh this is the gospel and so this morning if it's still morning i want to talk to you about faith that overcomes the message is called a faith that overcomes So if you go down in the chapter, 1 John chapter 5, we read the first five verses. If you go down to chapter 5 verse 19, this is what it says. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. There's a sway. Someone say, don't get caught up in the sway. There's a sway in the world. That's the first That's the first point of this message, don't get caught in the sway. What's the sway, what are you talking about the sway? Well it says the whole world lies in the sway of the wicked one. And so I began to look at this word, the the Greek word, you know, the Bible was not originally written in English. And so we look at this, this book and we have the original language of Greek for this. And as you look at the word for world, it is this Greek word cosmos. Everyone say cosmos. And cosmos, we could say, we could define that as just the world as you know it. You see the, the earth, you see the, the sun, the moon, the stars, you see the trees and all that stuff. It's the world, that's what it is. But it's not the context that the Bible uses the word cosmos. When the Bible generally uses the word cosmos, it is speaking of a world system that is with, without regard for and opposed to God, and it's under the dominion of the devil. That's what we just read in 1 John 5, 19. It's under the sway. You don't want to get caught in the sway because there's a whole world system. If we want to look at the salmon, there's a whole river pushing this way when God's saying you're called to go this way. It's a whole world system that is opposed to God and without regard for God. And so it shows itself in all kinds of ways. Now, I could name the obvious ways that we already started talking about, and in the context of 1 John 5 tells us it's hating your brother or sister. If you hate your brother and sister and you say you love God in the same sentence, God says you're a liar. You can only do one or two at the same time. And so that's a little bit more of an obvious uh, 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 manifestation of the sway. We get caught up in these things, and, and man, if 2020 did anything, man, it, it, it exposed if we were living in that, in that kind of sway. Facebook posts, political posts, all kinds of crazy stuff going on in the world. And, and, and if we're not careful, we'll get caught in that sway. And there's those, so there's those obvious things like lying, cheating, stealing, sexual immorality. I mean, I didn't realize this, but there's apps out there that are modern day pornography that you can buy and subscribe to, like that, have, that your kids have access to on their phones. That is crazy to me. Because somehow someone bought into the lie that pornography is actually going to satisfy you when it's really just going to take from you and leave you wanting every single time when Jesus could have been the one who satisfied your heart for free. Lust always takes, but love is generous, it gives. So these are, this is the sway, though. It's the most obvious ways of sway. But the second thing is this, that there's more subtle ways that the sway comes in. And this is what it looks like. It looks like a successful life devoid of God. That I can have a good career, I can have the finances, I can have the house and the cars and the health and all that stuff, and actually be completely devoid of a relationship with Jesus. And it's actually under the influence of the devil. It doesn't look like it on the surface because you're like, "Well, I'm doing good and all that stuff." But remember, in the garden, the Garden of Eden, God gave two, he gave two trees: the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You remember this? And he said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll surely die. What is he saying? Man, ultimately, God gave us two trees in the garden because he wanted love to be a choice. So you can actually choose between serving God and not. And when you had a real relationship with God, it came out of your personal will. He loved us first, and so we love him in response. It doesn't start with us. It starts with him. And we have a choice to choose him, so the love is real. It's not robotic. It's not forced. It's real. So he put two trees in the garden. But look at that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's a tree that gets knowledge apart from your relationship with Jesus. Which means you could be, quote, successful with no relationship with God. But the Bible says there's a way that seems right to men, and in the end it leads to death. There's a lot of Christians caught up in the sway thinking they're living a successful life, but their relationship with God is dead. It's it's a life that has, quote, success without God. So in De- Deuteronomy 8, God speaking to Israel, and he said, listen, listen, listen. When you get to the promised land, you're about to go in. When you get to the promised land, I want you to remember, because you're gonna be blessed beyond measure. Like giants have built houses for you. You're kicking out giants, and now you've got these awesome houses that you're gonna move into, vineyards and blessing and favor. He said, when you get there, you gotta be careful that you don't forget that it was the Lord your God who gave you the ability to create wealth. He he was challenging them in Deuteronomy 8.18. He's saying, listen, guys, people are susceptible to think that they can have success without God, and that success without God is not successful at all. It's a life devoid of the purpose of God for your life. Because at the end of the day, this life's going to pass away, and there's eternity that we enter into, and whatever you do here determines how you live there. That's That's real good preaching right there. One commentary said that the sway, the cosmos, is an egocentric world system that is hostile to God. Its central aim is self-enjoyment and making your own self great, all the while having a disregard or even a hostility towards God. (sighs) And there's a whole generation who are who are yearning for more followers on TikTok and more people to like and comment and share. What are they really yearning for? They're yearning for a dad's approval that God can give them for free. But the sway caught them up thinking that if they get more likes and shares and comments, I feel good about myself. But the problem with that is it's a roller coaster. One day, everyone likes you. The next day, you're just, you're just tossed to the side. We're your, we're your greatest fan one day, and the next day Jesus, Jesus is rolling in on a donkey. Everyone's saying, blessed is he, shouting praise, and the next day they're shouting crucify him. Good thing our life is not dependent on people's opinions of us. It's a little more subtle when it's like that. But here's, a, here's an even more subtle way that, that happens in church all the time. And we don't even notice it because on the surface it looks real good. It's religion without Christ. It's, it's like counting up my church attendance. I'm giving tithes. I'm going to church. I'm doing good things. I'm working in a soup kitchen, helping the homeless, all of which are good things. But there's no intimate relationship with Jesus. He has no lordship in the areas of your heart. Come on, man. If Jesus comes to my house, he can go into any room he wants and take and do whatever he wants with anything he wants to do. But if we're honest, there's some rooms that we like to keep Jesus out of. (laughs) And it's mostly because we're afraid of him. We're afraid of what he's gonna do in there. Because we've identified with some vices for so long that if he takes those away, we don't know who we are anymore. (sighs) But I love inviting Jesus in. Because he does stuff like what we were just doing, praying for them, He, he knows the secrets of our hearts, and then he comes with this atmosphere of love and affection that says, man, a second, I'm not saying this for them, but I'm saying sometimes in our own personal lives, a second before we're like holding on, holding on, and all of a sudden the Father comes with his love and affection, you're like, hands open, you can do whatever you want, Lord. (laughs) Jesus, take whatever you want. You can do whatever you want with whatever I have. Paul said it like this. He said, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I've lived with plenty, and I've lived with a little. It doesn't make any difference to me because the secret is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've got a power source that's not dependent on circumstance. And so, so it's unnoticed, though, man, because you can do all this stuff and still be devoid of Jesus. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said there's coming a day where people will have religion without Jesus. Christianity without the Christ. That's what he said. And there's a bunch of people who go in and out of the church on a weekly basis. And they're in this presence, but yet they've never surrendered. That's called, my friends, getting caught up in the sway. And it gets, here's one step further. you still with me? It says the cosmos is all these things, but it's really unnoticed when it's a Christianity that tells you you have to earn God's love and acceptance. It's real subtle. I mean, it's rough living in a house when you know, like, like the prodigal son's older brother, he comes home, the father throws a party and everyone's celebrating, but the older brother's sitting on the outside, I ain't going in there. I know what that fool did. He wasted all your inheritance. I'm mad, I'm angry. And he tells his dad, he says, I've been living with you this whole time and you never did anything like that for me. What is that? That's a son who's living in the house, but his mindset is thinking like an orphan. When all of the resources were available to him, he never put a draw on them because he didn't think he was worthy enough for it. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, don't get caught in the sway. Don't get caught in that sway. We've been getting caught in the sway. I'm just, I think I might have touched everything, but there's tons of different ways we get caught up in the sway. So I grew up in kind of a, in, in the church where I got saved and grew up in, in the, at least the people that I was around. It was like an old school Pentecostal vibe. They'd be like, we got people living one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Somebody needs to repent right now. <laughs> and like, it would get crazy. And I heard preaching like that all the time, man. They'd be like, you living in the world? That's why you got messed up, you know? And, 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 and honestly, it's true, but it's just the way that it came across. Sometimes you hear it over and over and you get desensitized to it. And you didn't realize that you're caught up in the sway unaware. It's like you guys go to, you know, you go to the beach, you're going to the ocean, the waves are coming, you're having fun. You know, I'm throwing my kids in the water, whatever it is, and we're having fun. And all of a sudden you turn around, you're like, where am I? Because the current pulled you like a hundred yards north. And you're like, where's my towel? Where's my stuff? Did the rapture happen? Oh, my gosh. You know, like everything's disappeared. Where am I? And you're freaking out. And and what am I saying? Because this is what happens in church. We get caught up in the tide and we are completely unaware until, watch this, we turn around. What is repentance? It's making a 100-degree turn from where you currently are. And repentance comes and go. oh, oh, I know where I'm at now. That's the power of repentance. But we get caught up in this way, and we get unaware. So I remember looking, though, you know, hearing that preaching, they would say, uh, they're quoting James 4.4, 4, which is completely legit in Scripture. It says, it, to be friends with the world is to be at enmity with God, to be at odds with God. I'm like, oh, man. And then he would also say this in James 1.27. He said, he said, if you want true religion, true religion is this. you got to take care of the orphans, look after the widows. And then he says, what? To keep yourself unpolluted from the world. It's the cosmos. He's saying, listen, if you're going to be friends with the cosmos, then you're actually completely in opposition to God. And if you want true religion, you got to be completely away, abstain, completely different than the world. Unpolluted, unaffected by. John would later or earlier say in his scripture, first John chapter 2, you may have looked at this scripture in a few weeks ago. But he said, if the love of the world is in you, then the love of the Father is not. And then he describes what the love of the world is. He said, listen, this is what it looks like. It's the lust of the eyes. And it doesn't just necessarily mean in an immoral sense. It just means the lust for continually wanting more and more and more and trying to fill an insatiable desire inside of your heart. He said the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, trying to satisfy your sensual desires in a fleshy way. And then he says the pride of life, which is what we were talking about. It's success. It's trying to make yourself great apart from your relationship with God. He said all of that stuff is the love of the world. It says when that's in your heart, you have no room for the Father's love. You made no room for him. He said that kind of stuff is going to pass away with the world. All of its desires are going to pass away, but the love of God will last forever. And so then I'm looking at this word cosmos. This is all the cosmos, okay? You still with me on this? We're talking about the, the sway, the cosmos. And this is what I found, that when I look at this word, it's used all over Scripture. But the one Scripture that you all probably are familiar with that this same word is used in, is this scripture right here. For God so loved the world, the cosmos, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I found out that the cosmos is all of this stuff that we've been talking about, but it's the very world that God loves with an unconditional love. It's the place that he said, man, these dudes are completely going the wrong way. They are completely living a life without regard for me and going opposite the way that I want. I'm not just going to sit back here and be like, well, it serves you right. <laughs> Some of our parents said that to us. It serves you right. That's why you hit your head on that because you ain't listening to me. You know, like, not like I use that in my parenting, in at all, not at all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they do stupid things. I'm like, well, you see, that's what happens. You know, but anyway, that's not what God does. He didn't sit there and say, it serves you right. You're going to go to hell in a handbasket. It leads to destruction and death. No, he says, ah, I've got to do something. And like a fireman going into a, bur- a burning building that's falling down, Jesus came in and said, I'm going to s- snatch people out of the fire and rescue them out of the sway of the wicked one. For God so loved the world. He loved us and said, I've got to snatch people out of this fire because I love them and I want them to fulfill the desire and plan for their lives that I have for them. And so I look at this, though, and then the Bible uses the word "overcome the world." So when that word "overcome," it literally means, like it's speaking of a battle. It's a victory. Overcome means a victory. but how many know victories don't come without a battle? That means we're all in the battle together. The disciples were in the battle together. Jesus himself was in the battle together with us. And all the people from, the, from that generation all up until this point, we've all been in the battle together. We, but, the, but this is the deal. It's like the, the salmon that are swimming upstream. they got to push against the current, and they got to leap over the hurdles that life is throwing at them. But there's a battle. But this is what he says. He says his commands, and this is verses 3 and 4. His commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. So what is he saying? He's saying God has some things that he wants us to do, but they're not burdensome for you because you have overcome the sway. In other words, I've put a nature in you that is completely capable of swimming upstream and leaping over waterfalls. We have the battle, we all face the battle, but I'm coming to you to tell you today that you have the ability to have victory over the battle. You have strength. In other words, you were not meant to be conquered by the sway, but you were meant to conquer the sway. You were meant to conquer the world. It comes at you, pulling you this way, but God's saying, no, I'm giving you strength to do it. This is what it looked like in my life. Like, I'm not gonna be like, like last week, I wanted to talk trash about someone to my wife. And <laughs> I know none of y'all do that because you're way holy, but me, <laughs> I wanted to. I was like, "Honey, I just want to tell you," and I was about to talk trash about somebody, and then before I got to it, like I got I caught myself. I was like, "Ooh, the sway is pulling me," and I was like, "You know, this guy." He's a guy that Jesus bled and died for on the cross. And after I said that, I'm like, it's so hard to talk trash about him now. <laughs> I was like, man, I want to talk so much trash now because I was annoyed or whatever. And I realized that, that if I jump into that, that I have heard, I've jumped over the hurdle of the value system of God and saying that my opinion's better than God. Woo. Just try that next time you want to talk about somebody that you don't like. Just call them for what they are, someone who Jesus bled and died for on the cross to redeem. And then try to say what you were going to say beforehand. It's hard that way. That's how you get out of the sway. I wasn't meant to get overcome by it. You weren't either. I was meant to overcome the sway. Second second thing is this, you have an overcoming faith. This is what John told us. You have an overcoming faith. Faith gives us an aerial point of view. Faith lifts us above. There is a struggle, but there's also a victory. And the victory that conquers the cosmos is faith. It's trusting in God. Faith causes you to rise above. Some of you guys may have memorized the scripture. If you haven't, this would be a real good one to memorize. Romans 10, 17, this is what it says. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the what? What? By the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when I get God's word, I realize that God's word are also his thoughts. And I can say it like this. God's word is his narrative. It's the story that he's telling. Don't get me started on CNN right now. Oh, my gosh. People are getting crazy about all this. And I I could care less, honestly. I could really care less about all that stuff. But the reality is this. Whoever tells the story in your life. Let's say it like this. Whoever holds your narrative in life will hold your perception of reality. Whoever you let tell the story will then give you your perception of reality. And what comes out of your perception of reality is your functionality and ultimately your destiny. Let me break it down to you like this. We'll go back to the garden. Adam and Eve are in the garden. God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you eat of it, you'll surely die. And then the serpent comes along, Genesis chapter 3, and he says, did God really say? And in summary, he convinced Eve that God was holding out. So God said, don't do this. And he's like, no, the reason why he's telling you not to do this is because he knows that you're, gonna, you're, you're pretty much missing out on some really good stuff. He lied. And guess what happened? She went from letting God tell the story to letting the serpent tell the story. And when the serpent began to tell the story in her life, it, 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 it affected her functionality. They went in ate of it and ultimately of their destiny. The entire human race got thrown into a thing called sin nature. And every single person born after that was affected by their one decision. Because she let the narrative change. She let the storyteller change. I'm telling you, one of the main issues in our day today is because we've been letting the wrong person tell the story. People are ridden with anxiety, and stress, and fear. It's crazy in the last year. that the People's de- depression rates have gone up. Suicide rates have gone up. I was, in, I was in Denver, Colorado last year, or last year, last week, that's a difference. <laughs> last weekend doing a youth conference, and, I'm, and we're just hanging out in the lobby. And as we're hanging out in the lobby, uh, I'll talk to my friend, this kid walks by. He's like maybe 13 years old, and he walks by like this. <laughs> And I'm like, bro, I'm like, bro, are you okay? And he's, and he's like, no. And he just keeps walking. And I'm like, dude, it's not funny, but it kind of is funny. Anyway, he came over. I said, bro, come over here. Let's talk, man. What's going on? And he said, he said man, I'm just mad about everything. I'm stressed out. I'm like, oh. He's like, he's like man, God's like mad at me. And like, I just feel like he's like this staunch God. He doesn't even love me. He doesn't want to have anything to do with me. I'm just mad. And he's completely stressed out. And I'm like, bro, you're letting the wrong person tell the story right now. (laughs) Listen, I'm not against counseling or medication. All that, all those are tools to help you get the right narrative. I'm not against all that, but the reality is, at the end of the day, you (laughs) you gotta change who's telling the story. We begin talking to this kid and we're like, bro, hey, listen, there's hope. The reality is this, the sun is always shining above the clouds. You're just under the clouds. You gotta get above the clouds. And I said, here's your confession today. I want you to say this, you have, ho- I said, he said, I have hope because I have Jesus. And, and I told him what hope is. Hope in the Bible is not wishful thinking. It is eager expectation that good is coming your way. We're going to change the story in your life today. And so he said, he said, I have hope because I have Jesus. We prayed for him. And so, so we, you know, he walks away, does his thing or whatever. At the end of that service that night, uh, they were preaching, whatever, had the whole, the, the whole message and all that and I'm hanging out at the front, he comes up like, you know, remember, first day, he was like (laughs) And he comes up walking up the aisle like this. Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, what's up, man? Above the clouds, I have hope because I have Jesus. And I'm like, that's right, bro, you have hope and you have Jesus. I'm telling you, he got lifted above the clouds because he let the narrator change. When we get God's word, faith comes inside of our hearts and faith conquers the cosmos. But what is happening when, in that transaction, we are changing narrators. We're saying, I'm not going to get caught up in all the other stuff that everyone's in a sway of. I am going to hear the, the greater narrative of God's word over my life. I'm telling you, there's people who are caught up in Denver. There's The youth suicide rate has gone up like 50% in the last, in the last season. It's crazy to me. And what's happening is because they're listening to the wrong narrative. You might be in the room today going like, man, I'm dealing with anxiety. I don't even want to live my life anymore and all this stuff. And I'm telling you, the greatest answer is you have to change who's telling the story today. People are freaked out because of COVID. And I'm just going like, listen, I went in because I had to do like this notary thing. And they were signing. They had the clean pens and the unclean pens. And I'm like, what is this, leprosy? Like, what is going on? I'm like, give me the pen. And she was like, freaking out. And I coughed, I was okay. I said, I'm gonna cough on that pen. And she, she didn't think it was funny, I did. And I was I, and I just like, listen, like I got more anointing in my cough than the whole world has in COVID. Come on, you get near me, you're gonna get more blessed. You get near me, you're gonna get more healthy. People look at me, what is that, what is that? That's the gospel, man. The presence of God changes everything. I don't live like that. Listen, listen, I'm not saying to be insensitive to people who are vulnerable. I'm saying live from a higher narrative. The world is sucked into crazy right now. (laughs) And the answer is not fighting everybody. The answer is living from another narrative. People are freaking out, all kinds of stuff. And I remember looking at the story of David and Goliath, and I go like, man, do you want to know the secret of why David could defeat Goliath? Because David wasn't sitting there for 40 days listening to the Goliath talk trash. Many Christians are caught up in the sway listening to the wrong narrative. And for 40 days straight, we're listening to why we're going to die. Back when the swine flu was a thing, I got the swine flu. And I, and I had to lead worship that Sunday at church with it. And then, guess what? A week later, I had to go on a, on a week-long youth camp. And, and I'm, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got the swine flu. And then I go in, the doctor, I get in there, they did the swab in the nose. He comes in, he didn't, even walk in the, he didn't even walk fully in the door. He opens the door, peeks in like this, and he says, you have been diagnosed with H1N1. I'm like, what's that? He's like, swine flu. And I'm like, ah! And then he closed the door and walked away. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I gonna die? Because the news was telling me I was gonna die. I let the news tell me my life story instead of Jesus. Spoiler alert, I'm alive. (laughs) I'm still here. And guess what? Even if I do die, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I'm getting blessed when I get there because I did some stuff here. God bless me, I'm going straight to heaven. I got another narrative. I've got the narrative of God's word telling my story. Come on, man, I used to pray this every day. I mean, I still do, and I'm telling you, probably the last 15 years, on and off, I would pray this every day. I would pray through the Lord's Prayer. Honestly, that's how I pray. If you want to know how to pray, just start praying the Lord's Prayer. I started praying the Lord's Prayer, and at the end of my prayer, right before I would say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, I would say, God, I thank you that I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Father, I thank you that I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. Father, thank you that greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. Thank you that should Shall be able to separate me from the love of God. Thank you, God, that you are for me. and if God is for me, who can be against me? God thank you that I'm ahead and not the tail. I'm coming over and I'm not going under. I'm blessed when the coming and I'm blessed in my going. The favor of God surrounds me as was a shield. The angel of the Lord encamps around me and delivers me. I would declare this over my life every day. Even today, I'll, I mean, I did it last service too. I'm gonna, I'm doing it. You might be getting blessed, but I'm getting encouraged because I'm reminding myself of God's story for me. I'm reminding myself of God's greater narrative. Huh. Though the world tries to put me in some kind of sway and pull me towards away from God, I'm, I've got a I've got an overcoming nature because God's telling my story. I'm I'm blessed. Huh. I go into businesses and they get more blessed because I came in the room because I carry the presence of God. And I joke about this, but I'm serious, kind of. (laughs) Going to Chipotle, no one's in in there. I get up there, they order my food. All of a sudden, the line's out the door. What did I do? The blessing of God just got on that business. You gotta live like this. You gotta live like you're not a victim, but you're an overcomer. There's too many Christians living like they're victims of their circumstance. And they're letting the tragedy tell their story. You may have gone through hell, but hell's not gonna define you. Jesus is our definition, he's our identity. I'm not letting the devil tell my story, and you shouldn't either. I'm not letting my anxiety tell the story. I still feel feelings of fear, but it's not gonna be my leader. I'm reading the scripture and I'm reading through where Jesus is sleeping on the boat in the middle of a life-threatening storm. And I said, Jesus, why did you go to sleep? He said, because I was tired. What does that mean? That means that he said, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do, let the storm do what it's gonna do, but that storm's not gonna determine what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go sleep because I'm tired. And I said, Well, why do the disciples freak out? Because they're like, Lord, we're gonna die. (laughs) They said, Don't you even care? I mean, their perception of Jesus was pretty off. They said, Don't you even care? We're perishing, we're gonna die. Their perception of Jesus was off. Their perception of themselves was off. Their perception of their circumstances was off. Meanwhile, Jesus is taking a nap, you know. And I asked God, what happened there? He said, because they let the storm lead them and not him. They took their cues off the circumstance and not off of Jesus. Ooh, come on, somebody. I think most of the time in my life and possibly in your lives, when anxiety gets the better half of me, the, the, you know, it tries to take over my mindset, it's because I've let someone else be my leader other than Jesus. The voice of the storm should never be our leader. Wow. And we're like, man, don't you see what's going on in the news? I don't even believe, I'm not sure. They cry wolf too many times. I'm not sure if there was a wolf anyway. Is there a real wolf? I don't know. There's a wolf. There's can be. My friend got sick, so there is a wolf, but I don't know. It's so weird because they're telling a different story all the time. Okay, I'll get in God's word, because God's words stand forever. You with me on this? We need Jesus' words to be our leader. We need him to be our worldview. And that's why we got to feed off of this word, man. I I need the word of God to nourish my soul. I need him. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I need it. I need need to study the scripture. I need the word. We need to meditate on the word and declare the word. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his. We need to put his word in our mouth. There's a worldview of the sway, but then there's a God's worldview, and this is what we're talking about today. Faith anchors you in a higher reality. Jesus literally came to lift us out of the sway. And I want you to look, at, I got a couple more scriptures here, but John 16, Jesus says this. He said, I told these things, to you so that in me you would have peace. And then he says this, in this world, that's the word, there's the cosmos, in this world you will have trouble. That word for trouble there is pressure. Everyone's gonna face pressure. But he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. What is he saying? Some people say like, well, that's when he went on the cross. No, he didn't go to the cross yet. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, Jesus was tempted in every single way that you and I are. He was tempted to have a massive following. I mean, Jesus gets a massive crowd, and all these people are around him. And if, that, if I was him as an itinerant minister, I'd be like, I'm whipping out my best message right now, and I'm about to get like 500,000 more followers on my Instagram. <laughs> That's called the sway, by the way. Not the good one. But Jesus says, here's my message for you all. Uh, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And if you don't do that, you have no part in me. Jesus, you did not go to the you know, church growth seminar. You know what I'm saying? That's not the message you preach. But, and the Bible said that many of his disciples no longer, they turned away, no longer followed him. What is that? That's Jesus saying, I don't care about what man cares about. I'm not here to get a great following and to become someone famous. I'm here to do the will of my father. And the people who are really hearing what I'm saying won't think I'm talking about cannibalism. They'll get the heart of the matter. Because later on in the passage, this is John chapter six, if you're wondering, Peter says, (laughs) Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, you guys gonna leave too? And Peter chimes up and says, where else are we gonna go? You alone have the words of eternal life. This is what I think he's saying, this is what he's saying. He's saying, Jesus, (laughs) you're saying some weird things. (laughs) It's kind of freaking me out a little bit. But all I know is that when you open your mouth, something comes alive inside of me. And I haven't found that in any other place in the world. I can't go anywhere but get what's coming out of you. You with me on this? That's why Jesus would say things like this. Let him who has ears hear what the Spirit is saying. You're hearing on a deeper level. True disciples hear on a deeper level. You follow me on this? So Jesus said, listen, take heart. I've overcome the world. How did he overcome the world? He wasn't after what what the pursuits of man are after. They try to make him king by force. He's like, nope, not going to do it. That's not my father's plan. I got to go through the cross. He's, the devil tried to tempt him in the wilderness. Worship me, you, you know, and, you, and I'll give you all these kingdoms. He's like, get back, devil. Don't, he, he said, away from me, Satan. He said, it's written. I'm going to worship the Lord my God and serve him only. What was that? The sway was trying to catch him. Every time, every place he went, the sway was trying to pull him. And he said, take heart, guys. I've overcome the world. And he was alluding to the fact that in just a, a, you know, let's, let's call it a few pages later in the book of Acts, that same nature that Jesus had would come inside of them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the one who overcame the world would now live inside of them and empower each and every one of us to overcome the sway. The last thing is this, and we're going to close on this. Number three is this. Victory is in Jesus. That might sound kind of like duh without saying duh, but let me. I want to. I want I want to. I want to dive in on this because this is really important. Victory is in Jesus. It's not just faith in general. It's not faith in yourself. It's not faith in principles. It's not faith in the universe. Come on, there's some weird people out there, like bro. The universe has been talking to me, bro. It's just like. Showing me my plans. I'm like, bro, you've been, you've been smoking the herb of the earth way too much, bro. You need to chill out. I know it's all legal in California, but it doesn't mean you need to, you need to partake of that mind alter. You know what I'm saying? If the, if the thing mind alters you, if it jacks your perception up, then you have, you have relinquished your story to another voice. Ooh, hallelujah. But what about the, I don't know, there's not like THC in it, whatever. If it's altering you, it's not good for you. Oh, I might be pushing some buttons on that one. That's fine. And people get weird, man. It's faith. They say faith in this, faith in that. It's not faith in the universe. It's not faith in being a good person. It's not faith in good luck. It's faith in Jesus that overcomes the world. And he says in verse 1, it said, it's faith that Jesus is the Christ, and it's faith that Jesus is the Son of God. These two specific titles, on surface level, surface level it might seem like a duh, but they're very specific, and they mean something for our lives. When you call Jesus the Christ, you're saying he is Messiah. Jewish people wouldn't understand that phrase as the one that God set apart, the promised one who would come and set them free from their enemies. And he would reign as a king on David's throne and rule and reign, and they look back to David's time when he reigned because it was a time when they were victorious over all the nations. It was a victorious time. And so when they said, God said, there's a Messiah that's going to come and set you free, they're thinking outwardly. And then it realized that Jesus came to set them free on the inside. They, they, were, thinking, they were thinking, man, the Romans are oppressing us, and, and they're coming after us, and, and we want Jesus, that we want the Messiah to come and set us free from the outward oppression. But Jesus is like, this is not my kingdom. My kingdom is not about that. My kingdom works on the inside and makes it way out. I'm going to set you free from the invisible enemies, like sin like the wicked one, like the sway that we've been talking about. I've come to set you free from sin, hell, death, and the grave. And so when Jesus died on the cross, that's exactly what he did. He resurrected, put death in its place, kicked the devil in the forehead, and said, give me those keys back, and I'm I'm about to take over now. That's what it means when you say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. You're saying he's my rescuer who rescues me from the enemies who are too strong for me. And when you call Jesus the Son of God, you're saying that he is, in fact, God in the flesh. And it, it's a real big dividing line. Because now Jesus is not just a prophet. He's not just a good teacher. He is, in fact, deity in the flesh. He is God made manifest for our eyes to see. You guys, watch, you guys ever watch the, the Chosen series? I love it. And what I love about that is it puts skin and it puts a, a, a visual on a person that I've been reading about for years. And I see the compassion in his eyes and I go, oh, that's probably what it was like. And I see a Jesus who's real, but yet at the same time, fully man, fully God. And when we put our faith in Jesus in that unique way, God says, you have a nature now that overcomes the world, that overcomes the sway, the cosmos. He says, you have a nature that wants everything to do with God and nothing to do with the devil and all those sways that we talked about earlier. Some of you might think like, man, but I'm fighting the struggle, but here's the reality. When you're in times of worship and the team's leading us in worship and all those times, you feel that presence of God come the peace of God. Some of you guys, man, you're like, I feel like a champion. Like, I feel like I'm an overcomer right in this very moment. Like, the presence of God is here. I want to do good. And, and here's the deal. That moment is actually your new creation nature rising to the surface. That is who you really are. Not the side of you that, That is like wanting to talk trash about somebody and then God has to remind you that Jesus died on the cross for them too. That's the sway trying to pull you. The new you, the new nature that you have in Christ, all, you know, we're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become you. That's you. That's That's your real nature. And that part of you wants to worship. That part of you wants to spend time in the word. That part of you wants to take time to pray. That part of you wants to give to God financially. Not because out of like what, what Rachel was saying earlier, not, of, not out of like the, the, the obligation of religious duty. You're like, Lord, you can have whatever you want. Uh, if you want me to give financially into the kingdom of God, for sure I'm going to do that. It's part of my nature. It's natural to me. Are you with me today? God gives you a new nature That wants everything to do with him and nothing to do with this way. Come on, I want to pray for you today. Just bow your heads. The scripture said in John 1, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children that are not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God, if you're in this place today and you're not born of God, you got you got an opportunity right now to say yes to Jesus and invite Him in, and to believe what I was just saying, that Jesus is the rescuer, He is the Messiah, and that He is the Son of God. The Scripture said, just like we read today, that if you do that, something supernatural happens, a supernatural transaction happens when you put your faith in Jesus. God takes your old nature buries it in the grave, and gives you a brand new nature that wants everything to do with God. Some of us have been struggling because we're not born again yet. We're trying to live a religion without Christ. Before I got saved, I read the scripture, I read the book of Revelation, probably not a good place to start, because I thought if I read the Bible, I was a good person, I was doing God's will. But I realized the Bible is a closed book. It only works for those people who have relationship with the author. It's like trying to read a love letter in a relationship that you're not in. It doesn't make sense to you. But after I gave my life to Jesus, the scriptures began to open up. What was the difference? I needed to be born again. I needed God to wake me up on the inside. I needed him to forgive me. There may be a handful of people here today that made its way to Center Point Church this morning that need to say yes to Jesus today and you need to be born again. You've already heard me say it, it's not religion, it's a relationship with the living God. And I'm asking you if you're here in this place and you're saying, yeah, that's me, I need Jesus to forgive my sins, I need, I want a home in heaven and more important than all of that, I want a real relationship with God. If that's you here today, I'm gonna count to three and I want you just to lift your hand on the count of three And all you're doing is you're acknowledging the fact to say, yes, I need Jesus. We're gonna pray together in just a few moments. But if that's you and you're here today and you're saying, yep, I need Jesus. I need him to come inside and change me from the inside out. I want you to lift your hand in just a second. One, two, three. Come on, just go ahead, lift your hand. Yep, I see you in the back there, on the side, in the middle here. Thank you, Jesus, in the back over here in the side room. I see you there up in the top. Thank you, Jesus. Bunch of people on my right side here. Thank you, Lord. So good. It's the best thing you've ever done with your life, right there. Anyone else wanna join and just say, yeah, that's me. I see you right in the back row there. Thank you, Jesus. I see you in the middle here. Just about 15 more seconds in the back. Down here in the back section, I see you right there. Yep. Thank you, Lord. So good, so good. We're gonna put words to our faith here together. And I want everyone in the room to say it with me. We're not gonna leave them hanging. We're gonna pray it all together out loud. Because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. That means you're lifted above the sway. So let's all together in the room say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you now. I ask you to forgive my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. You were buried and rose again. Come into my heart. You are the Christ. You are the Son of God. And I put my faith in you. Jesus be my Lord and be my Savior today. And say this, say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Now just open your hands and just wait on them for a second. Lord, I thank you for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit coming in right now. Putting strength where there's been weakness. Putting power to overcome in faith. (laughs) In Jesus' name. I wanna pray for one more group of people before we leave. If you are in the last week, the sway has been tugging on you and pulling on you. I wanna pray for you. I wanna ask God to give you a supernatural strength and impartation of faith and strength today to overcome the sway. If that's you, would you just go ahead and just stand wherever you are? If in the last week you've been dealing with the sway, there was tons of us in the last service we got to pray for. If that's you, you're saying, man. It could be the spectrum, thank you. It could be be all of them. We talked about the obvious ones all the way to the subtle ways that the sway tries to get at us. But if that's you today, and in the last week, the sway has been tugging and tugging on you, I wanna pray for you. Would you just please stand? And then what I would like to do is if if they're standing, if there's people standing who are around you, what I love to do is that if you just look up, open your eyes, look around, and find someone who's next to you, and I want you to gather around them, and let's be the church together. Lay hands hands on them and let's pray for them. I'm gonna to pray too, but it's something powerful when the body of Christ joins together and does family. Family fights for each other. And so just go ahead and you can put your hand on their shoulder and just take, just take a minute or two and I want you to just to pray for them wherever they are. I understand we're going a little bit longer than normal. Thank you for being gracious, but let's just take a moment to pray for our brothers and sisters here. And let's be the church. If you're sitting in the seats and you're like, this is awkward, I don't know what I'm doing, just stretch your hand out like this and everyone will think you're super spiritual. <laughs> I'm playing, stretch out your hand and pray for them too. Ask God to give them strength, bless them, pray for them like, like you would want someone to pray for you. There's a bunch of us here that actually still need to stand and get some prayer because we're a little afraid that like, someone's gonna think we're weak. Actually, it's not a sign of weakness, it's a sign that you're normal, like everybody else in the room that deals with the struggle, with the sway. So, Lord, we just thank you for it. Come on, if you have a a gift, a a prophetic gift, I want you to prophesy. Ask God for a word for them and speak over them. Just take a minute and just declare the truth of God, whatever you feel God's saying to them. God, we thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for our brother. Thank you for our sister. And thank you for the faith that overcomes the world. We believe. God has given each one of us a measure of faith And we thank you for that faith to be unleashed and unlocked today. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We give you honor. Thank you, Jesus. That Aaron, the the girl you're praying for, can you just, can I just, I wanna, I know, sorry if I cut you off in your prayer, but I just need to. Yeah, I want, the Lord wants you to know today, it's Romans 8, 37, that you are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. And the key to your breakthrough is receiving a fresh dose of the Father's love and affection. I'm telling you, like over the past years, there's been different authority figures in your life who have marred what a good father looks like and what authority should be. But I'm telling you today, there is a God who is a father who is your heavenly Father. And the way that you're overcoming today, this is your verse, Romans eight thirty seven is that the Father's love and affection's coming on you today. Not because you've been good enough, I feel like you've been taught a, a way of thinking over the years, and it's not like you necessarily subscribe to it, but there's a struggle, that you gotta like fight and I gotta do enough things in order for God to really be smiling over, over me. But the reality is, and I'm prophesying to you today, the smile of the Father is over you today and he is there is no ounce of disappointment in his eyes there is nothing evil in his heart towards you you got a dad who's smiling over you beaming with pride beaming with joy and there's nothing like the pride in a father's eyes this is it for you today lord we release the blessing and the favor the father's blessing over her today the father in jesus name come on all over the room just all stand together if you're praying for someone you can you can continue i want to pray and bless you guys and 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 then be done. <laughs> I don't know if you want to go. Come on just lift your hands Lord I thank you for Centerpoint Church, a church of overcomers, a church of people who walk in victory, a church of people who have a nature of an overcomer. Father, would you pour out the oil of the overcomer, the anointing of victory over us today. God, thank you that you are enabling us to live above the sway, to live above all the things that try to pull us. God, I thank you for a salmon church. Come on, somebody. A church that swims upstream, leaping over waterfalls of offense, leaping over the waterfalls of the enemy and God living in victory, not because we feel it, not because all the circumstances are right, but because we're anchored in your word. We're anchored in a reality that's higher and greater than the narrative of the world, which is the person of Jesus Christ. If you agree it, shout amen and give Jesus a really big praise. Are you gonna come up, are you good? Okay, awesome. Come on, I bless you guys. Did you get blessed today? Come on. Jesus is so good. I'm going to be hanging out at the table afterward and hanging out, praying for people, signing books or whatever. I bless you guys. You guys have an awesome church to be a part of. Y'all should be here next week too. Amen? Amen. Have a good week. Prayer teams can come forward and all that. Have an awesome week.